one of the things that I had uh, text Anna Marie. She had uh, she had texted us with some encouraging reports, and and uh, what I I text back to her was that the body life that is happening right now to me is like I've never seen before. People who are rallying, people who are interceding, people who are uh, in the pocket with with Anna Marie and Craig. And First uh, Corinthians 12, uh, verse 25 So that there should be no division or discourse or lack of adaptation for the parts of the body to each other. But the members are alike and should have a mutual interest in and care for one another. And if one member suffers and all the parts share the suffering, if one member is honored, all the members share in the enjoyment of it. And... I see this scripture coming to light. The ups and the downs. The reports, whatever they are. If they are reports that hasn't been a particularly particularly good week, we join. We join with them. And we pray. And we have an expectation. We pray to an end. And that end is an expectation that God's word is true. And so we don't settle for bad weeks. When we have, I said we, I mean that's what it's about. When we have a good week, then we enjoy together the good week. We have energy. We have a, a, a life that's within us that says, hey, carry on, carry on. This is such a body life thing that is happening. Um, it is not mutually exclusive to them. It is all of us that share in every part of it. One suffers. Have you ever had an injury to a part of your body that was so severe that it made you want to throw up? I mean, you know, you're just like, oh, my gosh, it upset my stomach. We feel it. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And then you ever felt so elated that you want to dance, that you want to shout and yell and go, yeah, and you want to tell everybody you know, this is what happened to me. Rejoice with me. And you know that kind of sinking feeling when you are rejoicing and someone goes, oh, yeah, that happened to me. Or, oh, so what? (laughs) Forget you. I'm going to go talk to her. (laughs) She will rejoice with me. It's an important thing to do. It really is. So, body life. I see body life happening to a whole nother level. I'm telling you. Um. Turn to Mark 4. I've had this on my heart for a 
couple weeks. And uh, the word is enduring faith. Inspired by everybody has to have enduring faith. Everyone. Do you have enough faith for the crisis that's in front of you? Do you have enough faith for however long it comes? In Mark 4, starting with verse 13, I want to I tell you this. I was telling Jimmy this morning, oh, when I was... When I was studying these things, uh, I I think in paragraph in in outline form. Well, this goes first, this goes second, this goes third, this goes fourth, and it's it's really easy to me. I, you know, it it just comes. Appreciate God for that, but it didn't happen that way here. When uh, when I uh, started to look up scriptures, it was hard for me to concentrate on what I was reading. And and so it, it frustrated that thing in me that I'm going, how come this isn't coming easy? And I felt so much resistance. I was sitting there, and my chest started to get real tight. I was going, man, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand why it's not coming. I know that this is the Word of God. I know that it is. That part wasn't a struggle. The part in the struggle was really trying to establish that Word through the Word. And so I just put my head down on the desk and I just began to pray. God, you've got to show me. You've got you to help me do this. It is, it is your Word. It is truth. It is reality. And it is, it is a word for the body. It is a word for this body. I know that. And then I began to rebuke the devil. Devil, you can't stop me. You can't, you can't resist me enough for me not to share this word. So shut up and get out. My chest all of a sudden just went, whoa. Didn't hurt anymore. Wasn't tight. And I said, okay, all right. First order of business, get rid of the resistance. (laughs) Second order of business is understand the word and the reality and the truth of it. When I got back into the word and and to to start to, to formulate this, um, fear came in. Not a fear of, of resistance, but a, a fear, a holy fear of touching something that God wants to happen. To happen in this place amongst our people. There was a like, oh my gosh, I'm touching a holy thing. Because there is an enlightenment to who God really is. It's not one to live on a weekend basis. It's one to live 
a faith that focuses on God himself daily, hourly, by minute. To be able to reach, to reach and truly recognize what he is doing in you. He has given all of us a measure of faith. But I believe he's requiring us to have much, much more. Because if you think about what faith is, it's believing in God more than what you used to. There's a, there's a faith that is already established in you. Hey, I can believe him for groceries. I can believe him for safety for my children. I can believe him because it's tested. It's new. It's, I mean, it's not new. It's, it's like that faith that you're just going, I know that I know that I know God is secured in that place. But enduring faith comes when there's resistance to the point that you're going, well, I don't know. The development of faith is when you say, I don't know. So then begins the process. Craig said, it's been years ago, faith begins where the will of God is known. Other than that, of any other belief than, than uh, oh, I just you know, believe I'm going to have a good day. No. Faith in God begins where the will of God is known. So once you know what God's will is, you start having faith toward that. Oh, I, I, I want to be a millionaire. I want uh, a, a new car. I want... That's wishful praying. <laughs> it's wishful praying. It's not one that's generated by hope. It's not one that is, is, that is backed up by the Word. It's just, I wish. But one that you really hear God say to you, this is what I want for you. This is a type of life I want for you. This is God's will. And at that point, no other, no other way, no other thing makes sense. It doesn't. You, you're going, well, I could do this. It doesn't make sense. It is the will of God, period. If you, if you are, are talking to someone and you say, I believe God wants me to do whatever, it's period. There's no more logic involved. There's no scrambling in your head trying to make something else happen. I believe God's will is. Period. Period. There's no emotion to it. It's just a statement that you have to live and move on. God's will is. Then your faith kicks in. Your faith for God turning your heart. Your faith for, for making your heart line up with His will. The faith that God is going to provide everything you need to accomplish that one thing. And you're going, wow, you know, I've I, I got to work. i got to do... No. God will give you work. God will give you whatever you need to accomplish that. 
Tell me it ain't true in your life with whoever you're at. Enduring faith, I don't care where your faith is, if it's ground floor or if it's on top of the Empire State Building, we need enduring faith. Faith that believes more. It will be that way for the rest of your life. Enduring faith. Because you're not going to need faith in heaven. You're going to see God. <laughs> you're going to know God. You're going to know, you're going to know as you have been known. Isn't that great and glorious? Faith isn't for heaven. Faith is for earth. That feels like it needs to sink in a little bit. Mark 4, starting with verse uh, 13. He's talking about the seed and the sower and, and where, the, where the seed landed. In, in this particular seed, it, it had uh, landed on rocky ground. And he said to them, Do not discern or understand this parable. How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. That's what we're doing here today. And that's what you do in your Bible studies. When you go back over what Craig has said, you're getting that word. I, I, I particularly want to encourage you, the word that he speaks, get into that. Turn to it. Look at it. Discern it. The sower sows the word. The, one, the ones come along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts. Hey, I got it. Hey, that's good. But when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. Right there is, I think, where that holiness of the Word of God, a holy fear should come on us. God, this is a Word that you have impregnated in me, believing and expecting more. That's that Word that you're going, yes, upon this I can build, upon this I can stand. That Word. Satan comes at once, and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. Recognize, I want you to recognize, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can steal that word from you at the very beginning, he's won. Why? Because faith hasn't settled in on you. And then what you do is not built upon faith. I'm going to tell you a scripture in a minute. Without faith, we cannot, cannot please God. I don't care what you're, what you're talking about. And in the same way, the ones sown upon stony are those who, when they hear the word at once, receive and accept and welcome it with joy. You've been there? Man, I, I got the word of God. You know, for a while, God was just teaching me some things. I was elated, elated when I heard the word of God and I understood it. You know? I was like, 
I had been going along fine, reading the Word. But then when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and discernment came to me, I was going, wow, it just illuminated unto me. There was a prophetic word that was given to me. And the word was that, Arthur, I see you sitting at a table and you have all these books around you. And you're you're going, God's going to give me something. God's going to give me something. God's going to give me something. And they were in all these books. But you had the Bible right in front of you. And then out of this, this connection that was happening here, there was this bright light that illumined out. Just You could see this light. And you're going, yes! There's illumination unto the Word of God. And then you raise your head. You raised your head. And you thought the Word, you thought that the light was coming out of the Bible. But the word was actually the light was actually coming out of your heart. There was a new understanding, there was a new discernment, there was something that was happening in in this connection here that God was changing my life and the reality of that word in it. I pray you understand that enlightenment that God brings to you. The enlightenment that is able to change your life. The enlightenment that will stop resistance from where God wants you to be and go. I'm so sad for people that I work with. And I said this at at, uh, Teen Challenge, and I said, do you really want to return to your vomit? This life that you left, that that you lived and led, and... It was puke. Paul describes it as dung. Poo-poo. Not good. Smelly. And he says, do you really want to return to your vomit? Eat that? You should have seen those people's eyes. Well, if you say it that way, no. I don't want to return. I want to be and continue to be. Anyway, sown on stony ground are those who, when they hear the word at once, receive, accept it, welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves. And so they endure, they endure for a little while, Then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. Have you ever been offended at the word? Have you ever been offended at the messenger of the word? Offended, displeased. Because it really came to rest on your heart. Man, maybe I need to change. But I don't want to change. Maybe I need to do something different. But hey, the persecution that comes because you believe the Word. Persecution on a scale. Yeah, in the Old, in the, in the Old Testament they killed prophets. In the New Testament they killed disciples. Let me tell you, 
There are disciples, even today, that are being killed for their faith. Being killed because they mention the word Jesus. Well, we can't have that in their society, in whatever place. We're fortunate to live right now. I don't know what the future holds, but right now we have freedom. And we still don't take advantage of it. God will see to it that the word is worked into you. I believe the word is being worked into us by being a body that is together, who is one, who is pulling all in the same way, one word, one God, one baptism. We are all baptized into the body. Some of them, some of us may not like it, but we're baptized into one body, meaning we are totally immersed, totally taken in by what the body needs to be and have together to join. We need to have that enduring faith. Um, Turn to Hebrews 6. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, starting with verse 11. But we do strongly and earnestly desire for each of you, each of you, to show the diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development of your hope until the end. He goes, don't stop in the middle. Don't stop ever. Go all the way through to the end. In order that you may not grow, I like this, not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards. Oh, man. Do you want to be a sluggard? There's a scripture that in uh, Proverbs, as a door turns on its hinges, does a sluggard turn in his bed. Think about that. How easy the door swings. So does a sluggard turn in his bed. He's going, man, I like this. (laughs) I like being in bed all day, not doing much. See, sometimes you're in bed and you're not even close to one. You know what I mean? You're walking around without any discerning eye or heart for what God wants for you that day. Being a spiritual sluggard. But imitators, behaving, uh, behaving as do those who through faith 
by their leaning on the entire personality of on God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, in his wisdom and goodness, and by practice, practice of patient endurance and waiting are now inheriting the promises. So what he's saying here is we need to learn the entire personality of God and be ready when he speaks in that personality. For a long time, I got, a, I got this pastor's heart. I didn't think he ever spoke angrily. Oh, God is love. God wants everybody to be happy. That, that was me, man. I, that's it. And we had these people come, and they said, that's not true. I said, it is true. Don't be telling me it's not. He said, no. He comes as a hammer sometimes. Well, I never heard that. That must be, that must be Satan. He comes as a hammer to me. No, he does. But I've got to know when he does. I've got to know his personality so much that I know when he's angry. Was it Craig said? Jehovah mad? Jehovah mad. Oh. Or comes to me with a soft voice with my kids. There are times that I'm going. <laughs> I'd say, you know, I'd go, you didn't do it right. You need to turn around. And I'm being, I think I'm being matter of fact. I'm like, Stop what you're doing. Do it right. Whatever it was. Whatever instruction I was giving them. And then we go, oh, and talk to Sharon. Why is dad so mad? Dad ain't mad. <laughs> dad just trying to instruct. Dad just trying to teach. You know? And you got to learn that. you got to learn when God's telling you something and just saying, go do that. Oh, he's mad at me. Yeah, I, I'm scared. I don't care if he tells you mad, glad, however. Everything is for your good. Everything is for your good. There is nothing that's not. God's heart is for you, not against you. It's for you. Verse 13. For when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself since he had no one greater to whom to swear, saying, Blessing, I certainly will bless you and multiply, I will multiply you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. And so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long, endured patiently, realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come, what God had promised him. Now, I had a little issue with this verse. Because it says, this is what this says, Abraham waited patiently, endured patiently. And I'm thinking, then how come there's an Ishmael? If he was so patient, 
and so enduring. What happened with Ishmael? But I'm not the one that wrote the book or defined it. He says he did. So he did. The two words I want to focus in on is patiently enduring or enduring patiently. A little child. I see Noah, a little child. And Joseph tells him, we're going to go to Jazzy's. You know, we're going to go here, and then we're going to go to Jazzy's. And you know what Noah does? Is it time? Is it ready? What, can, can we go now? Huh? 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 Can, huh? Huh? Can, can we go? Please? Joseph said, calm down, son. We'll go. We'll go. Does he, does he believe that he's going to get to go? Dad said it. I know we're going. I have faith in my dad that he's going to fulfill his promise. But that patient thing is kind of a, oh, that's a killer. Because all he can taste is whatever he likes at Jazzy's. I want it, I want it, I want it now. Now that's, that's a little kid. Babies, you know, they, ah, I want my bottle. But then there's teenagers. Yes, we're going to go to Six Flags, you know. They're just going, man, you've got to wait for a month to go to Six Flags. That's not patiently enduring. Now, have you seen the progression? One is vocalizing your displeasure of what's going on. You have no, you have no other way but to wait. It's not going to happen until Dad says we're going. It's that patiently. What does that look like? What does patiently enduring look like? It's yes, sir. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be praying for, looking for, expectantly waiting. But he heard you. Noah heard Joseph. And in his little heart, he's going, I still want it now. What do we do? You see, we get a little older, a little more sophisticated. What does patiently enduring look like? Well, for one, it's what Craig said last week when he said, Rejoice always. Oh, I'm not rejoicing because I'm not getting what I want. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not the issue. The issue is your belief in God means there's an expected end and you're waiting for Him patiently, believing in, not letting circumstances get in your way of your thoughts of saying it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. In Hebrews 11, 
They're going, these people believed the promise that God had given them, and they waited patiently believing for a new covenant, for something new, something called Jesus Christ. And they never saw it. But it was counted unto them righteously because they patiently endured. They didn't know what it looked like. They just knew that there was a better promise than what they had. Turn to Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8. Verse 6. Hebrews 8, 6. But as it is, but as it now is, he, Christ, has acquired a priestly ministry which is as much superior and more excellent than the old as the covenant, the agreement, of which he is the mediator, the arbiter, the agent, a superior and more excellent because it is enacted and rests upon more, listen to that, more important, subliner, higher, nobler promises. The old has passed and the new has come. More important promises. Why are they more important? Because through Jesus Christ, he is the author, arbiter, agent to make this happen. It is by his word that these things are established. He is not a liar. He says, what I say is true, and what I say will happen. He is the agent. He's the one that's going to get it done. It rests upon him. And what does ple- what pleases in him? Faith. What pleases him is your belief that he can actually do it. That's an enduring faith. That's not a faith that says, hey, uh, something has happened. So therefore, it must not be true. It must not be real. No. A few months ago, I talked to you about God telling me to stay in the pocket. No matter what is going on around me, no matter you see the defense coming at you, you've got to stay in the pocket. This is staying in the pocket. This is believing in and trusting him. Trust. I'm going to have to look it up because I'm going, trust and faith are so joined. They're almost identical. Do I trust you? If I am to fall, will you catch me? Some of you going, not you. (laughs) You're too big. You're going to hurt me. Will I trust you to help me out of any situation that I'm in? 
Do you have financial problems? Are you believing God for what He wants for you? And I'm telling you right now, He wants more for you than whatever you can think or imagine. Really? I can think and imagine a lot. But He says, I can do, I can do far better than that. Well, let me see it then. And then He turns back to me and says, Well, then you endure then. You have faith. Endure. Okay. Now I have a definition of where I'm supposed to stand and where he already stands. See, he already stood there. He already paid the price. He already defeated the devil. He already defeated even the wrong things that I think. He sends men on my account to tie unnaughty sayings that are in my head that are keeping me from the promises that he has for me, for me that are much better. They're much better promises than those of old. And he gave some pretty good promises even to the old. Very good promises. Read some of the promises he said were old. And I'm telling you, he's going, I got better ones for you. And you're going, wow. If they're better than those, wow. I can't imagine. You're right. You can't. He already told me I couldn't. Um, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 23. 10, 23. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. So let us seize, take hold of it, understand it, pray it, sila, meditate on it. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering. That means you're not living life like this. You're not moving on to another because the first one hasn't worked. Well, the Word tells me to do it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. Well, I was there for a hot second. Oh, man, I I better try something else because it ain't working. No, it works. That's enduring faith. Believing that God works and His Word is true and effective and powerful and insightful. It is real. It should be more real to you than the person that's sitting beside you. Sharon had a revelation of God being her father. Huge, huge revelation. She was upstairs, I was downstairs, and I had come up, and she was sobbing. And she said, I, I have known mentally that God is described as my father. He is my father. But I just received a revelation of God being my father. 
and everything that that means. You, who are fathers, what wouldn't you give your children? What wouldn't you put forth in effort and expense for them? He comes to you. He comes to you as a father. You've got to get that revelation. Because there are some people out there that think that God is a taskmaster. You better do this, and you better do that, and you better do this, and if you don't do it, everything that God does is for you. To love you, to build you up, to make you into who He wants you to be. There is no blind ambition. There's only His will. And I'm telling you, when you get that, you sit in expectation of His next order for you. You sit in expectation of saying, My God, show me anything that would impede His voice in your life. Show me. Show me. Look at verse 35. Turn down to 35. Do not, therefore, fling away, fling away, throw away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. I love that. I love that if you stay in the pocket, if you stand there, there's going to be a great compensation. How great is your faith, the greater the compensation. How much is it? How long will it take? How long will it take before you would say, I quit? It's not in the cards. It's not the way we should live. We live by the enduring faith that God is a completer. That He will go from the beginning and to the end till it is done. He said He would. Did He have a hiccup on the cross? Did He say, God, take this away from me? But yet, Thy will be done. He asked. John the Baptist had a hiccup. John the Baptist in prison, they're going to take off his head. And he tells some of the disciples, go and ask Jesus, is he the real thing? God doesn't mind questions. He will answer you. He'll answer your question. If you have some weakness, he will answer your question. And he will build your faith. Jesus' answer was so unique. He says, go back and tell John, see the people that I've healed. Tell him of the things that I've done. Why? He didn't go, yes, I am, and leave it at there. He goes, there's evidence that I am who I am. There's evidence out there. There are people that have been healed. There's miracle, miracle things going on. Yes, I am the one. 
What has God done for you that built your faith? Go back. Go look. Go see where God has been so faithful to you. And if he can do that, he will do this. He has proved himself over to us time and time again. Time and time again. By giving us words that we can hang our lives on. When he spoke, Sharon and I sometimes will get a word from the Lord and we will begin to weep. We'll just start crying. And the reality of it is the subject was not as important that we actually had an encounter with God. We encountered the living God. He spoke to us. He told us. And we felt the peace of that. And we wept because God was faithful. It wasn't the content as much as the just being with him, his presence, his goodness, his love for us. It's a tangible, tangible thing, his love for you. Don't ever dismiss it. Ever dismiss it. He is motivated. (laughs) Is he ever motivated to perform his personality in you? So motivated. Don't throw away your fearless, fearless confidence. That should be a motivator right there for you. Turn the page. Go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. But without faith, it is impossible... Say that with me. Impossible. To please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would not come near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder. Say rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Seek him out. He is the rewarder of those who diligently, who have faith, who stay in the pocket, who endures. He's a rewarder of their faith. There is an end of you believing who he says he is. So how should you endure? Patiently. Rejoice always, believing that he's going to do something. Has the ability and has a desire to move in your life. Now, he is also the rewarder the consequences of actually having faith. The enduring kind. The one that sticks with it no matter what. For 
any length of time. You remember I talked about enduring faith is for everyone. It is for the child who's being trained up to endure. Noah's being trained. Joseph is saying, not now. Well, are you going to throw yourself on the ground and have a fit? Well, that will get you another type of training. The reality is he's training him to grow up in faith. Because the faith that he has in his dad should, I'm telling you should, this is the way God planned it, the faith that he has in his dad at some point should translate his faith he has for his father. You get that? You, you, do you understand that? Noah's growing up to trust his dad. When he gets older, he'll transfer that to say, I will trust God. Wow. Verse 27. Motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind him, being uh, unwed and undismayed, unawed, I'm sorry, unawed. It's talking about Moses and Pharaoh. And I love this. Motivated by faith, he left Egypt behind, being unawed and undismayed by the wrath of the king for he never flinched but held staunchly to his purpose and endured steadfastly as one who gazed on him who is invisible this reality was saying Pharaoh there ain't nothing you can do that can move me out of the position that I have because I am the one that God has said Lead them out of Egypt. And the whole time, Pharaoh's going, don't you do it. Don't you leave. Don't you take those people. Don't you take everything that, that's out there. When, <laughs> when Moses left, he took everything for, with him. He took all the animals. He took all the, the Israel people. He took everything with him. Well, don't you think that'd make Pharaoh a little angry? Well, not only are you taking what's yours, you're taking what's mine too. We're not going to do that. So he chases him. And all this stuff happened. Moses, eh, who's Pharaoh compared to God? Huh? What can he do to me? Eh. Unawed. I know who I am. What is it in your life that the enemy has brought against you that you're able to say, eh, what is this compared to God? What is this compared to the power and the might of Jesus Christ? 
Hmm. Well, when you put it that way, nothing. Nothing. Nothing gets in the way of God. Last scripture. Turn to Hebrews 11. You're already there. Verse 38. Men of whom the world was not worthy, roaming over the desolate places and the mountains and living in caves and caverns and holes of the earth. And all of these, though they won divine approval by means of their faith, they did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Wouldn't that be a little discouraging? Because God had us in mind and had something better and greater in view for us so that they, these heroes and heroines of faith, should not come to perfection apart from us before we could join them. He said all these people that were sawed in two, all these people that were killed, all these things that happened to these people never got to see the promise. But he says you are. You're going to see the promise. You're going to see the covenant that, that covers that agreement that he had with us. Covenant just means agreement or contract. So he made this new contract. What does that entail? It means that we have healing. It means that we have uh, all of our needs taken care of. It means that God is for us and not against us. And that is huge. What is it that you're believing God for? What is your faith? One of the things that you should do is what are you believing God for? Find it in the Word. Look for it in the Word. Search out the Word and see if that's what His promise for you is. Once you get the Word on it, and God will come and give you rhema word. There have been promises that I received in a day. There have been promises that I have received in a month. There have been promises that I'm still waiting on. That have been years and years ago. I'm still waiting. I'm still praying. I'm still desiring. I'm still wanting to see an end to my faith that it is accomplished. What is it that you have? Write it down. Seriously, write it down. Refer to it. Put the Scripture verses where God has said, this is what I want for you. Once you put down the Scriptures, meditate on that Scripture to the point where it becomes second nature. God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. And when it says God said, there's a period after that. Sometimes it's an exclamation point. God said. I can take it to the bank. Oh, but you know, I, I, I got the sniffles. God said. Oh, this looks better. God said.
What are you believing God for? Craig said the other day, people say, what can I do for you? What, what do you want? He goes, well, got a million dollars? Got a million dollars? Now, <laughs> his, his heart is that all his bills be paid. That's what his heart is. Should we stand in agreement with him? Yes, we should. We should. His, his greater possession is not dollars. It's his wife. Should we stand in agreement with both of these two? In every way, fashion, and form. Speaking the word in time. In the timeliness of God. Speaking that word. What is... And we should do it for one another. <laughs> what the word says. Bear one another's burdens. Anna Marie said that she has a word about the prayer of the saints. And let me tell you what. From now until Sunday, I'm going to be praying that she give that. I am. That she comes and, and, and brings it. You know what? I shouldn't wait to have done that until her, of her physical condition. I should have been doing this all the whole time they've been here. Praying for Craig. Praying for Jimmy. Let the Word have free course in this place. Let it come and be true. Let it change our lives. Let the, the knowledge of God come and make me into a different man. Let my faith be that I can be a different man. That's, that's what I'm learning. What is God teaching you? To have more faith for. Because in reality, that's what pleases him. That's what pleases him. He loves it. That's good. I want to please him. Father, one of the things that I that I saw was that this teaching was not about imparting facts but it was an establishment of what you desire in this body. And so, Father, I pray right now that those that hear and that are going to hear this word of enduring faith will bring them to an heightened knowledge and desire to please you through their faith, through their trust.